Hi, this is Joshua Schmidt coming back to you with another Financial Friday on the Nerd Assassin Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at another chapter of Wealth of Nations. In chapter 10, um, Adam Smith talks about wages and profits and how they are different in different employments of stock, in different trades. In this first part, we're going to talk about the inequalities that will arise from the nature of the employments themselves. This means we're going to talk about why do people get paid more or less, whether they're an owner or they're a worker, based on the actual work that they're doing. What about the work makes some more valuable and some less valuable? And we're going to go over five causes which will make wages or profits different based on how you're employing them. So I'm going to start here with a quote. If in the same neighborhood there was an employment evidently either more or less advantageous than the rest, so many people would crowd into the one case and so many people would desert it in the other that its advantages would soon return to the level of the other employments. So I just take a break here. Basically, if you're living in the same spot and there's, a piece, there's some sort of work that seems like it's better than the rest, people would end up leaving whatever job they're doing to go over to the other work. There's a caveat to this, so if I continue the quote, this at least would be the case in a society where things were left to follow their natural course, where there was perfect liberty and where every man was perfectly free both to choose what occupation he thought proper and to change it as often as he thought proper. So sometimes we'll end up seeing these differences hold on for a while because it's hard for one person to move from one employment to the other. Or it might even be impossible. So if you can't just decide to be a doctor one day and a month later switch from it because you have all this work that goes into it, for example. So wages are actually different. And this could be because either real or imagined differences between the nature of the employment themselves. So it could be something that like actually exists that's different about the employment, or it could be something that somebody just thinks that it's different. The other case that will cause um, wages to differ is a reduction in liberty from politics. So in that quote, Adam Smith says, where there is perfect liberty, where there he's meaning if there's some sort of regulation by the government that will stop you from switching occupations, that will also cause wages to differ. Today, like I said, we're only going to cover that first difference, the difference from the actual employment themselves. Differences between what you actually do in a job or what society thinks of that job that will change the amount that it's paid. The first difference is the agreeableness or disagreeableness of employment. Whether something's easy or hard, whether the job is clean or it's dirty, whether it's something that you do that other people find honorable or they find dishonorable. One example Adam Smith uses is a tailor. A tailor will make less than a weaver just because the work is easier. And a weaver will make less than a smith even though their work is about the same level of difficulty, the same level of hardness. The smith's job is dirtier so he ends up getting paid more than a weaver. Another example is an artificer he uses makes much less than a coal miner. And this is because you start piling on these differences. The 
being some sort of artist makes you cl is a cleaner job, it's less dangerous, it's in daylight, and it's above ground. So all of these factors make a coal miner paid more. Honor also will lead to less pay. So if you look at um, jobs that people don't want to have, the examples that Ab Smith uses is a butcher or a public executioner, they'll make more than somebody who has an honorable job, somebody, somebody that people look up to, like a police officer might get paid less because people are looking up to them. One other um, type of employment that um, really gets affected by this agreeableness or disagreeableness is hunters, fishers, poachers. They make a lot less because the work is just fun to do. So people will pursue it for pleasure. P people will go into that trade just because it's something that they love to do. They don't really care what the pay is. You can make the pay anything and they just be like, I don't care. I want to hunt or fish. I'm going to go do that. Profits of stock um, is the other part that we're covering in this chapter. So at the end of each of these cases for why salaries are different, I'll also cover how it affects stock or whether it affects stock. Agreeableness and disagreeableness have an effect on profits about the same as wages. So if you're the keeper of an inn or tavern, you're dealing with people coming in and out of your house, you're exposed to drunkards, their profits end up being higher than somebody who doesn't have this sort of hardship with their work. So again, to summarize, the first reason that people get paid more or less is whether their job is easy or hard, whether it's clean or dirty. The second case that we're gonna go into the second reason wages might be different is the difficulty or the expense of learning it. So if it's easy or cheap to learn, you're not going to pay as much as something that's difficult to learn. So if you take a step back and you think about if I'm a business owner and I buy an expensive machine, I need to make sure that the work from that machine produces enough money for me before it weighs down to cover not only how much I paid for the machine, but profits on top of it. And you can think of a worker in the same way. They need to pay back all their education expenses, and it needs, they need to pay it back by their job being over and above the usual wages of common labor. So you can think of it as, if I'm gonna go to, if I have to go to school in order to become a plumber, I need to make more than a gas station attendant by enough to pay for what it cost me. I also need to pay back um, a reasonable profit on top of the capital. So I can't even just pay my, ex my education expenses, it also needs to make me a profit because I could have taken that money and invested it in something else while I was working at the gas station. The third thing that needs to happen is the, you making back the money needs to be done in a reasonable time. With the machine, this makes sense because the machine's gonna wear out, but really the person's gonna wear out too. They have the risk of death, so they need to make it back in a reasonable time. It can't be expected that they're gonna make it back over 50 years. This essentially is why skilled labor is paid more than unskilled labor. Adam Smith talks about European laws and how in certain trades they've forced an apprenticeship. So essentially the laws make sure you have to be an apprentice in this field for so long before you can do it out on your own. And that'll, that increased the wages of certain jobs like manufacturers or mechanics people working in a factory. Another examples are painters, sculptors, lawyers, and physicians are paid even more be than somebody who's in an apprenticeship because their education takes longer and it's more expensive. 
and it's harder to learn. So, but the difficulty and expense of learning a trade doesn't affect the profits of stock that go into it. So if I own a law office, I'm not really worried about how much education expenses goes into my lawyer. I still expect the same amount of profit in that sort of field as I would in my, if I owned an electrician company. So, so far we covered the agreeableness or disagreeableness of employment. And the second one we covered was the difficulty and expense of learning the trade. The third difference is the constancy or inconstancy of the employment. So if you work in some sort of manufacturer that's seasonal, where you might be out of work for a while, you're going to need to get paid more. So for example, bricklayers and masons make more than journeymen. Journeymen can work almost every day of the year, but a bricklayer can't work if it's bad weather, if it's frost, um, and they might just not have any work to do. Even though bricklaying is about the easiest skill to learn, a carpenter is not going to make as much of them because they're able to work inside, whereas the bricklayer is stuck in that bad weather. It also, this sort of um, being unemployed for a while, we need to pay for the times where their hands are idle. They need compensation for those anxious, precarious situations that they come into. Carpenters make less than bricklayers, even though their work is harder, but it's more consistent. Another example that Adam Smith uses is that tailors in a city like London make more than ones in the country, and that's because London had a rule where they could get fired and hired, so they'll be out of work for a while. If you start combining some of these factors that we talked about, so if you have a job that's both disagreeable, has hard, dirty work, and isn't doesn't have constant employment, the wages end up going up even faster to the point where a common laborer could make more than a skilled craftsman. Coal miners end up being an example of this where they make a lot because they're in this dirty work, but a coal heaver makes even more because it's not only disagreeable with the dirtiness, but you're also out of work for a while as you wait for them to give you, to ship in more coal for you to work on. So this extra pay makes up for this hardship of not having work. But when you factor it in, it's not really better than unemployment. If it was way better, even with the time off of making money, a bunch of people would start the work and the wages would drop back down. People would end up leaving their jobs. And talking about profits for a second, this constancy or inconstancy doesn't really have an effect on profit. They still expect to get the same amount of profit back. So we covered the agreeableness of the employment, the expense of learning, and how consistent your employment is. The fourth one is how much trust do you need to have in the people that are working for you? So just a few quick examples. This one I don't really need to explain too far because it's pretty self-explanatory, but jewelers and goldsmiths make a lot more than other jobs where there's not, there's the same amount of skill. Physicians are somebody who makes a lot because we entrust our health and life with them. Lawyers, we entrust our life and reputation. But this factor of trust doesn't really affect profits. The fifth and the last um, difference that we're going to cover is the probability of success. So what this means is 
if I go into a field where the probability of any particular person ever actually becoming qualified for the position, they're going to get paid more to compensate that. So if I send if a, I send my son out to go make shoes, their success is certain. If I send them out to go be a plumber, like good chances are they're going to be able to be a plumber. But if I send them off to study law and go to law school, it might be 20 to 1 that they ever become a lawyer by the time they get through undergraduate, graduate work, all the tests, all of that. So it's sort of like a lottery. Those who end up drawing a success collect not only their wages, but the loss of all the others as a gain for winning the lottery. And if you backed it out and looked at it, if you figure that there was 120th that became a lawyer and you calculate the annual spend, not of that single lawyer for his education, but all the potential lawyers and look at their wages, you'll see that this system, this probability of success system is actually less than a perfect lottery system. So he's not making up for all of that risk. The annual salaries of the lawyers are a small proportion of the total annual expense of everybody that expects to be a lawyer when they start learning. However, these jobs where there's a chance of success still end up being crowded because the reputation that you gain if you do win the lottery, the reputation of being a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer, um, ends up making them still want to play even though it's below a perfect lottery and they really shouldn't want to play if they took it back and looked at it. And this is because people tend to have too much confidence in their luck. They're too certain that they'll be the one that's picked, that they'll be the one to get into that school or get hired for that job. Now I just want to take a little bit of a diversion here and talk about this misvalued chance and how the gains are overvalued. So let me look at a quote here. The chance of gain is by every man more or less overvalued, and the chance of loss is by most men undervalued, and by scarce any man who is in tolerable health and spirits valued more than it's worth. And one way that we can see that people do do this overvaluing is because state lotteries succeed universally. Every state that puts in a lottery ends up making money for it, even when they keep a super high percentage for themselves, even when they keep 40% for themselves. People will even buy more tickets when the prize is big. If the prize was small, if you would buy a lottery ticket where you had a one in 100 chance of making $20, people wouldn't do that even if there's a better chance than winning this big lottery. It's kind of interesting. It's actually a mathematic certainty that the more lottery tickets you buy, the more lottery tickets that you buy for a lottery, the better chance that you lose money. I'll just pull out a quote here that kind of proves this, if you think about it this way. Adventure upon all the tickets in the lottery, and you lose for certain. And the greater number of tickets, the nearer you approach to this certainty. So if you think about it, if you were to buy every ticket in the lottery, you're guaranteed to lose money. So that kind of shows the more that you buy, the more this guarantee happens. Another way to look at this, if you look at the other side, losses are actually undervalued. One way you can see this is through insurance. Insurance has super low profits, and even with those low profits, people ignore paying, paying it. In Smith's time, he said, at least 19 out of 20, if not 99 out of 100 houses 
are not insured for fire. And it's funny, actually, young people are the ones that make this misvalued calculation the most. Adam Smith says, the contempt of risk and presumptuous hope of success are in no period of life more active than at the age at which young people choose their profession. This is why you end up seeing young people sign up to be soldiers and actually more sign up when they're at the beginning of a war because they see this chance of gaining honor and ignore the obvious loss which can occur, the losing their death. These dangerous fields tend to attract young people to trade rather than discourage them. So going back, that's one of the reasons, going back to the difference between wages, this probability of success is one of the reasons that a certain profession ends up getting paid more. And we also do see profits vary with the certainty and the uncertainty of returns, but it doesn't rise enough in uncertain returns to completely cover the chance of loss. And this is that misvaluing chance that we're talking about is the reason this happens. You would expect if somebody's in a risky trade that they would make enough profit for their losses plus the profit of insurers. But in reality, what you see is people in these risky trades end up with more bank bankruptcies because of the misvalued chance than somebody who's in a safe trade. So overall, the five that we covered, the agreeableness of the employment, the expense of learning and the difficulty of doing so, how consistent your employment is, we covered how much trust do you have to put in the person that's doing that job, and what's the probability of success. And if you remember when we went over this, only two of the five affected wages. So only disagreeableness and risk are the ones that will vary the wages. So you end up seeing profits end up staying pretty close to each other no matter what field you're in compared to wages will go more will vary more wildly like a lawyer will make a lot more than a common laborer but the profits of a law office won't make more than the profits of a hotel any difference in in those profits is usually because of the wages and not the profit so you end up seeing like a lawyer end up mixing in their profit and their wages and not really like separating them out or another example is a small grocer will have a higher profit than a wholesaler and this is not really because of the profit bearing as much as the wages it's because he needs a higher skill to be specialized in 60 different products compared to one to five So we covered the five effects on wages, but there's three things that are needed to allow the differences to actually work. If you don't have each of these three things, the, the differences will actually end up not happening. So one, the employment must be well known and long established. So they end up evening out the longer an employment's there. In a new trade, wages end up being high because I need to not only pay them for this type of work, but I also need to entice them for whatever they're used to working. So I end up overpaying. You also end up seeing higher profits if you're in a, in a new venture because of the risk and the speculation that involves in it. Another one is employments must be in their natural state. 
So the if you're in something that's going to cause like a decline in the number of people that are working or a spike in the need, you're going to end up seeing these wages differ more wildly than they normally would. So at times of harvest, wages end up being higher because you need to hire those people. If uh, many are off to war, wages end up rising because there's not enough supply for work. And if you're in a trade that's decaying, wages drop because many would rather stay in what they know than move on to something else. So as the trade is going away, people are willing to work for less and less just because they're not willing to move on and learn something completely new. The third thing that you need is it must be their principal employment. So industries which tend to have a lot of people working in them as side jobs, people, when it's their side job, they're not worried about making a normal wage and they tend to take less than they normally would if it was their full-time job. We see this in gig labor all the time, you know, Uber Eats, DoorDash, that sort of stuff. People aren't really calculating their time because they see it as just a side job. But if you do have these three things, all five differences, agreeableness, the difficulty and expense of learning, the consistency of employment, the amount of trust, and the probability of success will be what varies wages. If wages were way different and it was not because of one of these five, and there was an actual advantage to moving to one or the other, a bunch of people would move over there and they'd end up leveling out. So, thanks for listening today. If you guys have any questions, any comments, um, feel free to reach out to me at the Nerd Assassin on LinkedIn or Twitter. Otherwise, thanks and have a nice day.